Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. My guest today is Shana Tay, the co-founder of Food Market Hub. For those of you who don't know, Food Market Hub helps restaurants and suppliers to increase efficiency by centralizing all the F&B backend processes in just one app. Thank you very much for being here, Shana. Thank you for having me. So I always ask as a starting point, I'm, I, I get fascinated by the, the, the origin story. So just take me back. How did you decide to be an entrepreneur in the first place? And how did you end up landing on the idea for Food Market Hub? Oh, wow. So I guess um, it all started when uh, I was, um, if, if I were to look back, it was more about uh, the the way I have been brought up, my family is a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather was an entrepreneur, my dad as well. And so I remember like when we were young, uh, conversations at the table was also always about, oh, you know, how, how, how is this business? How do you get, get this thing done? How can we make it into a business? Mm. So I think as I grow up, um, it, it fascinates me uh, when I look at businesses and uh, being an accountant uh, by training, I have been looking at the books of, you know, all businesses. And finally, one day I told myself that, you know, I think, you know, it's time that I get into, you know, the, a business, get my hands dirty and try it out. Mm. So I, I did some consulting work initially. And then after that, um, I decided to pursue uh, the fashion business. I thought that would be something interesting, something that I can probably leverage on e-commerce. So that time it was it was a hype then. So I went into um, designing shoes, elevator shoes for men. Okay. So making men look more confident. Okay, a little <laughs> bit taller. A little bit taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, and. And that that whole business actually taught me a lot of things. You know, how you planned um, to getting your ideas out. And then at the early stage, you had to do everything. And doing everything is not actually a good thing mm -hmm. because you need to start to learn how to delegate, uh, get people in to help so that you can expand. So that journey. Then after that... Um, I, I hit a roadblock because of uh, capital. I was um, able to expand it to uh, Singapore, getting a distributor in Singapore, Hong Kong, and um, London. Mm -hmm. But as the orders grew and the minimum order required by workshops and factories gets even 
um, higher. Yep. So the capital, it's it's too much. And at that time, I think the funding uh, scene, fundraising scene is that, you know, it's all a lot about tech. Mm. And, and mine is not so much of tech uh, versus, you know, something that people are looking at. How, how do you scale, you know, 10 times faster in yeah. that sense? So after that, um, my partner uh, was looking into uh, opening up restaurants. And so I thought, okay, let's, let's explore that. And we went into the restaurant business. Um, initially, when we first started, the first outlet, it was great. So we thought, okay, yeah, we had the right focus, the right product, the food. Then we thought, let's let's expand. So we we did the second outlet, then the third outlet. That's when we were looking at it and said, hey, you know, we we see business coming in, it's good, but where's the money? It's mm. like, show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> And and then we 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 look into it and realize that okay we I think we have to you know shut it down um, because it's it's not going the right route so we we shut down and then we thought what went wrong so we did dive into it and and we realized that okay there are a lot of manual activities and as as you expand. Um, it, it becomes intensified, like, you know, all these things that you need to keep track, mm-hmm. especially if you have a central kitchen mm-hmm. and then um, looking at all this manual uh, from procurement all the way to payments and all that. And then we thought, you know, if we were to do it again, how would it, how would we do it better? And And then because my co-founder, Anthony, comes from a tech background. He was a software engineer in Intel. And then we were saying that, okay, let's let's look at the tech side of it then. Um, maybe we can actually help even more restaurants from that perspective if we automate certain stuff from the back end. Mm-hmm. At which uh, if we look into the market, there are hardly any um, software that can cater for the small businesses, the small restaurants. If you have the bigger chains, they are probably using ERP. And so we thought, okay, let's let's try it out then. Let's use what we understood from you know the process of running these restaurants and and put it into um, software and app that helps restaurants to streamline that process. And so that's how um, Food Market Hub is started. Okay. Okay. I, I, I love the origin story because it's like the being an entrepreneur is basically in your blood. It's, it's, it's what you discussed at the table. It's what, what was all around you. And so there's like this ingrained familiarity. So the aspect of like, you know, oftentimes people look at taking the entrepreneurial journey as very risky and obviously it is, but when you're kind of face front to it and having those conversations, and then you kind of get into the accounting books and you take that journey it start it starts to feel a little bit more familiar yeah or no uh i would thought that it feels familiar but when you are in that situation where you're doing it you're like oh gosh what am i doing is like you know finding your way through it i guess the the, the path it can be exciting 
as well as intimidating at the same time because of so many unknowns and so many things that you are not familiar with. Um, but probably from the books, it's familiar because we have seen it on, on paper, but not so much on really getting your hands dirty when mm. you are doing it, going out there, talking to people, uh, understanding the customers, fine-tuning the product and all. So th- those kind of stuff. I, I still remember when I uh, flew to uh, China for the um, the exhibition, the expo, to look for uh, workshops that would take small orders for my shoes. And I yeah. basically, like there were thousands of it uh, booths and I basically go by one by one and each one of them says, no, no, um, our minimum order is a container that I have to mm. walk out. Yeah, I think yeah. after the, the fifth or sixth booth, I, I decided to walk in and say that I need two containers. How uh, how can we work this out? What are the prizes to get info? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, go, going for going for the manufacturer side is 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 quite a bit different. Um, so you you end up in the restaurant business. You end up realizing the pain point. You come up with the uh, with essentially the 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 groundwork for the idea of food market hub. When you when you start building, when you when you guys decide, hey, let's move this idea forward, are you still operating the restaurant and kind of using it for your own purposes? Or is this already after the fact where you've gotten out of the restaurant business and now you're moving on with something new? Oh, we uh we actually moved on to get something uh done so we can focus on it. So it's it's the same thing we we went in. T- uh, looking at you know crafting out the processes and then adding the tech side, but we weren't sure whether restaurants are willing to pay for it. Mm. And at that time, uh, we were also just going out to each uh, restaurant owners, talking to them, understanding their needs as well, not just ours. So we don't want to end up solving a problem that is ours, but we need to validate it to make sure that okay this is a common issue that uh restaurants are facing so we spoke to a few and realized that hey this this sounds familiar and and it could be something that we can solve so so that's how um we we move from okay saying that okay let's let's do this to let's build this and let's sell it okay Okay, and the, and the idea is centered around kind of the this this market segments of you have multiple outlets, but perhaps you're not so big that you have a, a an expensive, sophisticated ERP system, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, an ERP system would cost about two three hundred thousand, um, and for a restaurant with maybe two three outlets, it's not necessary. Right. Yeah, to spend that uh, that kind of amount, or it's is not even affordable to some extent. Yeah, mar- margins are not uh, known for being uh, dr- dramatically high in the F and B business. So, having an expensive system on the back end, uh, you need to be able to justify the ROI on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then, 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 then take me forward. What you 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 want to move forward with this the idea? What does the MVP look like? Because there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you could include, but what did you include from day one? 
Well, as you said, yeah, we could include a lot of things, but when we are selling, uh, giving out too many features may not be something that uh, will attract people. Um, as, as we as a user, we know that um, what we need is to make sure that it really helps operations and can get things done. So what are the key uh, features that is required that would that would say that when they look at the product and say, hey, okay, yeah, that's what I want. That's that's what it will help to reduce this number of hours, to reduce my costs, uh, my my wastage and have this kind of cost savings. Um, all the other uh, small other added features comes in much later as um, good to have. So we would classify, okay, these are the key ones that that will address the key issues that we were facing or most restauranteurs were facing. Then the good to have that, oh, if we have this, it will make it even better. So that comes much later. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so, so you, so you narrow that down and then you want to go out to market. What's, what's kind of the step one, step two of getting your initial customers on board? Do you, do you go to like to kind of family and friends who may be also in the business or are you going outside of network? What's, what's the process to go from zero to one on the customer side? Uh, right. When we start uh, businesses, I think um, our idea is that Never go to family and friends first. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, you might affect the you know the relationship and all. And sometimes, if you go to friends and family, they might felt obliged mm. um, give you certain feedback that may uh, may not be something that you uh, you can get the true honest feedback, right? Yeah. And, and to me, I think the best is to really go out to. Uh, people who do not know you, they would tell you straight to your face, mm-hmm. uh, this is not working, uh, this is not what I want, um, this doesn't help. And and this kind of feedback is important um, at the start. Instead of taking it as a rejection, it gives us uh, assurance that, okay, um, this may not be the right track, let's tweak it. Let's mm-hmm. uh, remove this and put this in uh, based on feedback that we get. Right. Yeah. So the, the feedback you're going to get is is less biased because they don't feel obligated personally or otherwise to perhaps be more friendly about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. So um, I, I think it's important to get those unbiased feedback. Yeah. So it helps you to move forward to the right step. Okay. How do you track them down in the first place? Like when you, when you need to find, I'm assuming with with this that you may be trying to find the restaurant owner or perhaps some sort of manager. Because if you're talking about like a three restaurant, five restaurant chain sort of uh, situation, I'm envisioning. And correct me if I'm wrong. The owner probably is as a pretty high touch control over over what's going on. So I'm assuming that's your point of contact when you're selling. How do you find them? Are are these type of people already pretty well known within the ecosystem? Well, I mean, if you want to find the right person, it's not difficult. You know, mm. you can search. You go out. Even to the extent I remember that, um, um, I would go to the restaurants, talk to the branch manager, understand, um what he's doing, uh, when is his boss coming into the restaurant? 
mm. you know, going in there at the right time. Yeah. So there are so many ways to to get to the right person if mm. you are determined to to you know to find that. Yeah. So, yeah. You you just need you just need to get out and start talking to people, right? You need to, you just need to get out there, and maybe not in the in the peak of uh, the lunch rush or something like that. Maybe maybe a little off hour. Yeah. Off hours, I I remember we would uh, time ourselves like you know after after lunch in between where the restaurants would um, probably around three o'clock. It's where they close their kitchen. Uh, the chefs are are resting. Sometimes mm. the owner would be there. Sometimes mm. he may not. So we just need to try our luck and then go in, chit chat, understand, come back again, move on to the next restaurant. Of course, then as we um, build our network, you you get referrals, you get people saying, "Oh, okay, yeah, my mm. friend is running a restaurant. Maybe he might be interested." And okay. and that's that's how you know we we keep getting uh, more and more uh, business owners that mm-hmm. we can, yeah. Is 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 it is it is the referral network pretty strong on this? Do do a lot of the 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 restaurant owners kind of talk to each other and 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 kind of do referrals on this on this sort of product um there are a, a network of you know restaurant um, business owners that are pretty close knitted um in in the Klang Valley and you know they would recommend to each other sometimes certain products um certain services and all that so it's it's easy if you can you know tap into the network um built on you know uh, the relationship so for us is one of the key things is because when our uh, our product acquires a customer let's say restaurants restaurants would then capture you know all their suppliers in to the system so they would order to the suppliers and when they send out their purchase orders to suppliers, it would it would say powered by Food Market Hub. So mm-hmm. even F&B suppliers, after a while, where you have like so many restaurants using us and they keep seeing our logo on that piece of paper, yeah, they get familiar as well. And some were curious and that they reach out and asked about us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very, very interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a smart, it's a smart move in order to make sure that your logo stays on those sorts of materials because that's that's essentially like a, a marketing mechanism as well. Because as as you just noted, the suppliers are seeing it. Maybe that supplier is going to talk to one of their F and, other F and B that perhaps they have a good relationship with, but know that they struggle on some of those back end stuff. Yeah, exactly. So th- this kind of referral network is is crucial. Um, that that's why hence at the early stage we don't spend a lot on marketing, but mm. it is through um this network that that helps us grow. And um, there are a lot of ways as well. Um, in terms of um making this network stronger. So we would be looking at uh, what kind of network effect mm. that help. Okay. So, okay. So is it is it is it fair to say that in the in the beginning days the the kind of the two main mechanisms were like the good old fashioned knocking on doors, showing up at that three o'clock time period, talking, finding the point of contact, doing the old fashioned like sales led approach, and then number two 
making sure that you're kind of nurturing the different manners in which a referral network can go, whether it's restaurants who are talking to each other, keeping your logo on, documentation for the suppliers, etc. Those are those are the two main ones uh, that you that you're using in the beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And right. is it still the case? Uh, right now, even when um, restaurants send out POs, it would have that powered by Food Market Hub. Um, what we are now enhancing is in the app, um, how, how do we make it um, better? So um, in that sense that uh, when they send out the POs, if the suppliers are you know, not on our platform, but there's links where they could click, to get in to say that, oh, they are interested or they could click in to sign up so that they can capture, you know, the the orders better rather than on paper. So there are some other mechanisms in place um, to enhance that user journey. Okay, okay. And then so so as, as, as far as your sales operation goes, uh, you're you're still you're still so when you I mean we'll we'll get to how you've expanded uh, uh, further but for the most part you're handling outbound plus inbound so you're you're go you're still going out knocking on doors and then you're still kind of receiving interest whether it's through the website through uh, phone calls in those those are those are those are still the most active channels. Yeah, yeah, especially at the early days, knocking doors. Um, it's yeah. inevitable to build yeah. that kind of uh you know that branding and awareness sure sure okay so at what point when you're building do you look at it and say we've got product market fit here let's 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 accelerate this faster let's let's start investing in in growth and really trying to move fast what what's kind of the trigger point uh when you look back hmm I would, I would say that, you know, at a point where when we keep reaching out and we keep getting feedback and say that, oh, yeah, that's, that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And um, not giving out as uh, a free product mm-hmm. um, helps as well because that signals um, people are willing to pay to oh, yeah. use your service. So at the start, uh, we started all the way um, charging for the software so there were there were not like um trying to give out free apps free trials just to try but mm-hmm. really pitching and then getting them to you know get excited and wanted to pay for the service yeah. and and as this user base grow we see that hey look you know this is something that um we could make it even bigger okay how how does the 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 customer feedback component play into your your product development you know we we talked about features before and how has that interaction with your customers driven your uh new feature releases ah interesting so we do have um a customer success team where they would service the existing customers and in there it would capture, you know, some of the queries that comes in. So whether is it, um, you know, an inquiry about a new feature or is it, um, you know, inquiry just to use the app. And when you gather and compile all this feedback, right, we would, at the early stage, we would look into it and say that, do we 
need to build this? Should we build this? And if we build this, uh, how much time do we need? And and is it an add-on or do we charge? So these are some of the, the little, little things um, that comes into play when we look at um, building an additional feature. So at the early stage, um, I remember it was a lot more about uh, having, because after having the MVP with the core functions, then it's about how to make these core functions better so that uh, users can expand their usage. Mm-hmm. And, and so the decision of adding features is always about uh, how does it tie back to the core functions and enhancing it so that it gives the user more value mm-hmm. rather than um, adding feature that is good to have because one or two restaurants request for that. Yeah. So we try to filter those out and focusing on the core. So always go back to the core feature and see how it can add value. Yeah, there's 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 a bit of a kind of a, a a little bit of a trap that I've seen some founders get into where you may have one large client that starts requesting something, but that client may not be representative of all the other customers that you have. And so sometimes I've seen people get into this mode of like, well, they want to pay us for it. We might as well start developing it, even though it's not applicable to the broader range. So you just spent your finite resources chasing something that is really only single customer use case. Uh, it kind of sounds along the same lines of what you're, what you're, what you're talking about is making sure that you're coming back to that core and then building back out from that. True. Yeah. So we, at, at the early stage, I wouldn't say we, we didn't fall into that trap. We did look at um, certain big customers and say that they said they want to, you know, uh, customize this, do that. And we were saying that, okay, they are willing to pay. Are we, are we willing to spend resources to build that? Or do we want to build on this core and scale? So there were also times when we were considering cash flow or mm. do we want to reject that and do it? So I think it depends also at what stage your business is. Sometimes at the early stage, if the subscription model is... I would say it is not not still not sustainable enough, um, you know. Then some small customizations, I I believe we did some as well, just to make sure that we have some cash generated. Mm. But as we grow, especially after we get funding, then it is really pure focus saying that, no, look, customization is not the way uh, we are moving towards because sure. we are moving from... Uh, being a software company into a um, SaaS company and mm-hmm. and we should look at the broader picture. So we don't have the, you know, the worries about cash flow and all that. Then that's all about building the right product, making sure that it fuels growth. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I love that. Let, let me let me ask another question on on a, on a related topic. You know, when you're when you're in those early days, there's always the question of what do I charge? How do how do I figure out that price discovery? Because you know, obviously, you want to test it out and see if people are willing to pay. But then, how do I put a number on that? And yeah. am I fixed on that number for the rest of my life? Yeah, that's that's a tough one too. We were looking at it. I I remember we were saying that. Oh yeah, how much? 
exactly how much should we charge? How much are they willing to pay? Mm. So initially, it, it was really also um, trial and error through discussions and um, some are willing to pay and say, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's fine. Great. But some would, would come back and negotiate. Mm. So so it's, it's about, um, you know, looking at the price range because we do not have a direct competitor. So we were benchmarking um, against similar uh, apps or software in the FMB industry mm-hmm. and then said that, okay, this is our value here. And this is more or less the market pricing for um, um, the other apps. So could we price at this? And 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 we just basically try and test it out. And then from there as well, we needed to also build um, our projection to see whether, does it make sense if we keep charging this uh, at this rate? Uh, can we break even? So it was, it was very... Um, uh, very focused on can we break even? Can we sustain ourselves? Right. Because that's the stage where we do not have funding yet. Sure, sure. Um, and it's always about being able to survive. Then we can go, you know, um, and 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 grow the business. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, you need positive unique economics. You need a, you need enough profit off of each individual sale because you know you need to be able to cover that overhead so that you can continue on. Uh, I mean, once once you get venture funded, it's, the dynamics change a little bit because oftentimes you're kind of dumping a lot into into growth in order to accelerate it. But l- let me ask that question on the funding side. At what point in time do you feel? that it was the right time in order to go out and get funded for the first time? Oh, it was, it, it started off, actually, to be honest, it started off as um, a conversation with a group of people and then um, understanding that, hey, you know, this uh, there is funding from government, so government grants, and then, then we found out about magic, the acceptance, mm program so all this actually helps and uh in magic we learn about pitching um investors uh you know vcs private equity mm-hmm. and that's that's the time when we it is like an eye opener and that's the time when we say okay look hey uh there's the opportunity for us to grow further uh let's let's take this step forward then we do not want to be stuck in an environment where we are too comfortable and then you know in in the tech industry if you are too comfortable and there's not much change that means you are moving backwards yeah so i think that was a a good way to push us forward and place us in uh the startup community and that's when our journey of you know uh, being a startup fundraising changing our whole model from an you know a software SME company to mm-hmm. looking at uh, being a startup how do we grow from here how do we get the funding so that we can take the right next steps right right it brings with it a set of expectations because now you've got you know financial yeah. partners on board that are going to be asking particular questions that are related to 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 that so it, it does kind of 
change relative to being a bootstrapper? I mean, the intent is still successful business, yeah? Yep. Yeah, so um, definitely the expectations um, is different uh, once you have more shareholders in um, and there are, you know, VCs where they are expecting, um, you know, 10 times growth. And so how do we manage it from that perspective? Mm. So it's not just about, you know, uh, generating profit now. It's about how do we grow further? How do we get into... A bigger, uh, a, a bigger market. Do yep. we expand now or do we still um, stay in our own market? Mm-hmm. So these are decisions that we need to make. And, and what else aside from, um, you know, uh, subscription revenue? What are the other, you know, revenue streams that could come uh, in together with, with this core product that you're offering? So, these are, you know, the, the next level of considerations in yeah. the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let, let's talk about the market one, because that, that's, a, that's a really fascinating one. Because, you know, Malaysia is a relatively small population market. So the number of customers that are available in this market is, is, is definitely capped. When you look at getting a bigger market, how do you make that decision and say now's the right time? And I, I know everyone has different viewpoints on this, but I'm just kind of curious of how you view that. Uh, for us is that we, when we were looking at our market in, in Malaysia, um, I think the first thing that always came to our mind when we were discussing um, is that um, does the restaurant community know us enough yet? Um, do 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 we stand out in this community here in Malaysia? Mm-hmm. If not, um, then t- maybe we should work more in this market, get a stronghold uh, and build a strong base before we go out. Because at the time when we had funding, we also saw um, other startups in in the similar FMB space where they were expanding, you know, to to Vietnam, um, to Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And, and when we look at ours, I guess for us is that we said, instead of spreading our resources thin, focusing on so many countries, we should, we should still maintain to build up a strong base in Malaysia first, get, get a, a, a market share that we think it's enough for us to to build that base and then we go out so we have um, a successful use case that we can see in Malaysia a strong one mm-hmm. then we go out otherwise um, you know we are just shooting blindly in other markets yeah, yeah. we don't get our market uh, uh, share in Malaysia and, and, and fix that first Sure. And I think uh, we did make the right choice because after two, three years, we see, you know, those startups, they start to scale back and shut down some of their operations <laughs> in other countries. Um, and when we talk to the founders, we understand their issues from that and we realize that, okay, uh, going slow is, is at that time is not a bad move. Um, we should make sure that uh, the foundation is right before we jumped out. But of yeah. course, 
think um, there are other people thinking that, okay, you need to grow. It needs to be fast. Go and capture yeah. the market fast. But um, then I think it falls back to how fast can you go and yeah. how much cash can you burn to support that kind yeah. of growth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm all for growing fast, right? But I I think I think we're aligned on the aspect of like you need to be able to demonstrate a product market fit and demonstrate that you have a go to market strategy. Otherwise, when you start expanding outside of your near sphere, uh, you can end up burning a lot of cash and be a little bit inefficient. And so it can be rather problematic in order to go too far too quickly without getting that foundation yeah yeah and especially in southeast asia mm. uh, having the right gtm in malaysia doesn't mean it is the right one in indonesia even yeah. though we are you know um by nature asian countries similar mm -hmm. views and cultures but there are still differences within all these countries and each time you expand it's it's a whole new learning curve. Yeah. Understanding the people, getting the trust from them. Yeah. So that picks up a lot of uh, resources okay. and time. Do you do you find that when you do expand internationally, that the product market fit is pretty pretty much okay? Uh, when you expand internationally, it's really just that go-to-market strategy that requires the most amount of modification for the particular nuances of each geography. Yeah, so before we expand, uh, we did do some research, you know, talking mm -hmm. to uh, people in similar industries in different markets, uh, understanding that whether there is this similar problem. So because um, the suppliers is very fragmented in mm -hmm. Southeast Asia, so we see that trend there versus, you know, in the, in the U.S., or in, in Australia, these developed countries where they have a big market in, mm -hmm. in itself, but they also have very strong players there, like few key suppliers. Mm -hmm. So when you order, it is just ordering to two or three major suppliers. Right. So it's not so much of a pain point there that we see that is very crucial versus what we see in Southeast Asia is that the pain point is about Use, when you use WhatsApp to order to 20, 30 suppliers, <laughs> it's, it's a headache because of just managing that, the, the WhatsApp chat and mm -hmm. doing, you know, that, that orders the data itself, the admin work that is required. So this, this core pain point uh, is reflected in a lot of different countries in Southeast Asia. And so we know that, okay, there is one good point that we can go in and capture, you know, the the market and solve that that uh, that problem. Okay. And do you find that when you do make the market entry, that there's a similar sort of process uh, as when you initiated here in Malaysia, that? the starting point is really like go out and start knocking on doors. The number uh, for, first and foremost, you have, you have to do that sales led and just start talking to people. Uh, the knocking on doors is something that is inevitable because we really need to speak with someone and understand. Mm. But the, the good part is because when you expand, you already have like, you know, some marketing uh, strategy in place to help 
push yeah. that to to help you get leads uh, to come in and and you can you know reach out to them. So uh, there is a blend of both, but I w- I would say um, it is no longer uh, the, the, those kind of founder led kind of sales where mm-hmm. oh, you have to knock on each door and all that. Yeah. It's it's a, a better process. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you no longer have to be individually going out to every single market, knocking on doors yourself anymore. Now, now you, now you're in a fortunate position where you can have people for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the team, um, getting the right team um, yeah. on the ground, uh, and you know, uh, being able to pass on that product knowledge and the and them understanding the pain point is important. Yeah. And they okay. go out and speak to the right customers. Okay. Let, let me ask you something on that team aspect of this. Um, and, and there's really two questions that I have. The, the first question is more of like, what's your starting point when you build a team? Do you start with kind of like the individual contributor level of getting a sales team? Or do you start and try and get a country manager? And then I guess the second aspect of it is... Most times when we talk talent, we talk about the lack of tech talent, and that's kind of the general theme in startup land. But what oftentimes doesn't get noted, but I know that is a problem, is the difficulty of finding good salespeople uh, and good uh, uh, customer success teams that, that really kind of understand and empathize with the customers. Tell me a little bit about what your own personal experience is and how you went about it. Right. So the team that we built, at the early stage, um, is more about you know getting the right people in to be able to execute our ideas, and and at that time, um, it was really about you know um, having these people that can manage individual. It can be individual contributors. It can be um, a team lead to help. So that was the early stage when we built. But as we grow, we needed more uh, people, leadership people to come in to help us grow. Because I think for us, uh, there are also limitations. Uh, as a founder, you know, we would only have certain skill sets that we can do well, but we are weak in other areas. And that's when we need to find the right people, the right manager to come in and complement those skill sets. And in terms of whether we get a country manager right from the start, that means going into the expansion phase. Um, what I realize is at each phase, uh, sometimes we need to make a decision whether do we hire in a senior person at this early stage or do we hire um, a meet manager who can be more hands-on. So there is a dilemma sometimes, and I've, there's no right or wrong answer. It depends on which stage. So at a certain stage, sometimes when we hire two senior in, um, and they don't have the hands and legs there, so just being too high level doesn't help. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Especially when you are in a startup, we need the leaders to be able to really go down to the ground and coach some of the team members yeah and um so so i think for us is uh at that different stage we keep asking 
Mm. Uh, what can this person contribute? What is the value in it? And how, uh, how, how hands-on can this person uh, work with the team? Okay. Then, okay. Yeah. Okay. Then in terms of your, your question about, you know, uh, talent, uh, like the sales guys, all mm. that. Uh, an interesting thing is when we, uh, when, when we move from the angle of just selling a software versus trying to scale, uh, a, as a SaaS company, because there are not many SaaS companies in mm. Malaysia. And the knowledge of these people viewing um, how they should sell uh, can be different because of their background. And if this guy has been selling software and, and customized software, they would come back and say that, you know, if you don't build this feature for me, I can't, I can't close the deal. Mm. So there needs to be a mindset uh, shift and it's on us to really teach them um, and and let them know, educate them about the differences between how we operate um, in a SaaS business as as opposed to, you know, a normal software company. Okay, okay. So looking forward, what's next uh, when when you when you try and think of like the 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 next few years, what's next and like what does success actually mean? Hmm. Interesting. Um, to us, we we often sit down uh, in in the leadership team as well, talking about this. What does success mean? I guess one basic point is that uh, for me and my co-founder, our vision is that when a person wants to open up a restaurant, the first thing that came into their mind usually is, "Oh, I need a POS." So instead of just thinking that, oh, because I, I need a POS system, the next thing they would also think of is that, oh, I need Food Market Hub because I need, uh, you know, the ordering management. Mm-hmm. I need to handle all the uh, food costs, wastage. And, you know, we are offering financing now as well okay. to restaurants. So that could help in my working capital Okay, so like invoice financing with the suppliers, yeah. is it? Okay, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, so so that's that's what we want to achieve to that level. Okay, okay, very cool. Let let me wrap up here. This is this has been a great conversation. We've navigated a lot of a lot of points here, but let me wrap up with my typical closing questions. Um, the first one of these is: What is a tech tool that you just cannot live without? Right. We use Slack, um, especially in this, you know, hybrid model now. Mm. Uh, every day it is about looking at Slack. Okay. The, the communication tool for the whole company. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 beca- it's become so ingrained into so many different companies out there. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to live without being able to have those asynchronous communications, store documentation, keep track of things. Definitely. Definitely. Last question here. If you were to talk about talk to a, another founder that's just getting started out, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could offer? Right. If you believe in your dream, 
don't let the noise out there stop you from trying it. Mm. Uh, work on it every every day, little bit by bit to see some um, some results to work towards that dream. Yeah, because the noise out there might drown you out, but if you truly believe in your product and you truly have that dream, just do it. I, I, I love that advice. I love that advice. If you believe in it, just do it. Ignore the noise that's out there. Shayna, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'd learned so much from you. Uh, I'm really grateful that you came out and, and spoke with me today. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. It's it's a pleasure to share. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Rockland from Indelible Ventures, and this is The Sea of Startups.